want to pray for, I was just told, uh, Joe Vargas. We're going to pray for Joe this morning. Huh? I heard Joe uh, had a, took a fall this week and then was having some problems yesterday. So we want to pray for Joe. Um, also, I uh, want to pray for um, uh, Joe Ramirez, uh, don't we? Yes, Joe is, uh, he is continuing to recover. And we have some others that are ill among us. And then also want to mention, uh, uh, sadly, Rob uh, Crisanta, uh, Julie Crisanta, Julie Pierce, Julie Crisanta's, correct? I'm sorry, Jennifer, 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 uh, Jennifer's husband, uh, uh, he passed away this week, he passed away on Friday. Uh, some of you might remember Rob, he was in a wheelchair, he came and became a member last week, uh, last week, last year, and um, so we want to pray uh, for Jennifer and, and her grief and, and our ministry to them, okay? Um, all right, any other prayer requests uh, as we're getting ready to go to prayer? Someone else have a prayer you would like me to lift up before the Lord? Oh, your, your, your son, Christopher. Okay, that was him, yeah. And, and uh, also Calise, right? Okay. All right. All right. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so let's pray for Greg. All right. Okay, let's pray for Greg as well then. Okay. All right, let's, let's bow together in prayer. Father God, uh, we want to pray for, for Joe Vargas right now, Lord, is... Um, he fell this week and also was having uh, problems uh, yesterday, last night, Lord. And we just pray your healing hand upon Joe, Lord. Um, we just pray that you, we pray that you uh, minister your healing touch upon him, Lord. Just, just give him, uh, give him a, a health, full health, Lord, and and just, just uh, uh, give him your comfort and strength, Father. Please help Joe at this time. Also, Lord, I want to pray for Bruce Braun, who is recovering in rehabilitation as well. Um, we pray that uh, uh, for Bruce, he's still in a lot of pain, Lord, and we just pray that you ease the pain. Please ease the pain, Lord. Um, just give him comfort, Father, comfort and rest and healing. Please give him healing. Joe Ramirez, as he's recovering, we just pray for Joe, as well as Carol Hudson, as well as Carol, who is... Recovering too, Lord, from her operation, and uh, we just pray your your healing upon her. Pray for Jennifer, Lord. Now we're just praying as as she lost her husband Rob, uh, Lord, on Friday, and and uh, we're just praying, Father, your Holy Spirit, the Comforter, just 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 be upon her, Lord. Just help her to know that you're there. Help her to cry out to you. Help her to just know, Lord, in her tears, Lord, that you love her and you're with her. Please strengthen. Jennifer and the family, Father, please. Also, Lord, for Christopher and Calise uh, who are ill, please, please give them your healing touch. And Father Greg, our brother Greg, uh, Lord, we just pray that you uh, uh, as well give him a speedy recovery, Father, please. And as far as all the others that are, there's others in, in, that are ill as well among us, um, uh, uh, Earl and his wife and and others, we just pray your healing for them, please. Thank you, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
I want to get a couple thank yous before I get in the message. Uh, well, thank you, first of all, Diana. Diana has been picking up, uh, she's been doing all of our uh, financial, uh, you know, she's been coming in uh, during the week and taking care of all of our church finances, all the uh, computer stuff. <laughs> I don't know what it, you know, she's doing a great job. So thank you, Diana. You're doing a great job. Thank you. <laughs> also, I want to give a big shout out to uh, Tracy and uh, Mary Cretion. I came, uh, I don't usually come in on Monday. That's my day off. Uh, but I came in Monday uh, more, uh, about, I don't know, about 11 o'clock or 10.30, and it was cold in that. They were mopping and, and, and vacuuming. It was about 50 degrees in there, no heater on, but cleaning and doing a fantastic job, cleaning the offices, cleaning the church. I want to thank you, Tracy and Mary Christian. Thank you. You guys did a great job. <laughs> really, really great. Okay. All right, you guys. So. We're going to be continuing our series in the, in the book of Acts. If you want, want to get ready for that, that's going to be Acts chapter, chapter 5. And, uh, you know, before, you know, as we're preparing for that, we'll read it in just a bit. Some things that have been on the news uh, this week, uh, you're probably familiar with a couple of them. One of them is the uh, uh, Supreme Court has been debating the issue about student loans, you know, whether or not to give help to certain uh, college and university students uh, with their student loans because it can be uh, quite expensive going to college and university. I mean, there's a lot more expensive than, I, than when I went to university last century. Yeah, well, <laughs> think about it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, the, the more prestigious the, the university, the more the, the, more the cost. Uh, one, of the, one of the most, you know, prestigious universities in our country is uh, Princeton. And I have a little story I want to tell you about that. There was a, you know, Princeton University is like one of the, you know, to get in there, you got to have the high grade, you got to have the cost. And then and also they want you to do a, 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 give something of a life story of yourself to get in. Unfortunately, sometimes those life stories are a little bit less than the truth. <laughs> give you an example. Back in 1989, uh, Princeton welcomed as one of its fresh in its freshman class a young man by the name of by name of Ale Alexis I mean uh, Alexi San uh, Santana and they were they said they were they said uh, extraordinarily he had an extraordinary compelling life story okay so Alexi grew up in Utah he uh, he had li very little formal education. He, he grew up, uh, most, as an adolescent, he grew up mostly outdoors in, in the Utah, and he, he raised cattle, and he, uh, he herded cattle, he raised sheep, and he, and he read philosophy. And he ran, he ran the Mojave, ran in, in, running in the Mojave Desert, he trained himself to be a distance runner. Alexei, because of his story, when he was in the Princeton University, became something of a, a star on campus. Uh, there was just one problem with his story. You might guess what that is. <laughs> it wasn't true. <laughs> it was a lie. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't true. And so Princeton University, eventually they found out about it. The officials at the school found out about it. Turns out Lexi Santana was actually, his real name is James Hogue. 
She was a 31-year-old who had served prison sentence in Utah <laughs> for, for possession of stolen tools and bike parts. And he was uh, promptly escorted by handcuffs off, off of the school campus. <laughs> National Geographic tells that story in an article called Why We Lie. Okay? And, and this article talks about not only, you know, how we lie but as a culture, you know, but why we lie. And it says this. It says, the history of humankind is strewn with crafty and seasoned liars like Hoag, the one I just talked about, from high finance people like Bertie Madoff uh, to politicians like Richard Nixon. It says, lying, it turns out, is something that most of us are very adept at. We lie with ease in ways big and small to strangers, co-workers, friends, and loved ones. Our capacity for dishonesty, it says, is as fundamental to us as our need to trust others. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Being deceitful is woven into our very fabric, so the article says. We're going to be looking at a couple this morning in the early church, the very beginning of the church, who crafted their own lie. Okay. And now, they were followers of Jesus Christ, but they fell to temptation. And, and, and this, this was a time in the early church where it was just setting the foundation of the church. It was just getting started. This was a critical time at the beginning of the church. And it was also a time they were about to find out where God was not going to put up with lies, with deceit. So if you're ready, it's in Acts chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 to 16. So Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 16. And if you're able and willing, if you can stand with me, and um, we'll read these verses, okay? It says this, now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest of the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart to, that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received from the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you paid Ananias, uh, you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, this is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen. 
The feet of the man who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used, that used to meet uh, together in Solomon's colony. No one else dared to join them, even though, even though they highly regarded these, the people, by the people. Nevertheless, more and more, men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that the, at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those who uh, tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. May God's word be blessed. That's hardcore. That's right, Brian. That's pretty hardcore, isn't it? I was telling my wife, you know, I really don't want to preach this, but it, it, it's got to be preached. You know, this is a hardcore. That's right. This is a hard, this is a hardcore. That's right, Brian. So now, so now. It, this was a crucial, crucially important time at the beginning of the stages of Christ's church. It was crucial um, for the foundation that the foundation of church not be corrupted. So there are requirements for following Jesus Christ as a part of his family, as a part of his body, as a part of his church. There are requirements. Now salvation is a gift. Let there be no mistake. It's a gift received by faith by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and following then Jesus as Lord has its responsibilities. It has its requirements. And we're going to be focusing on one of those requirements that this morning, and that is this. That is this. Following Christ requires radical honesty. Radical honesty. That's in your outline, the back of your bulletin. Following Christ requires radical honesty. It takes commitment, it takes the dedication, and it takes the courage to be totally honest Radically honest all the time. You know, it might be common for our culture, it might be for our, common for our culture to tell lies, but followers of Christ are to be different. Amen? Followers of Christ. It takes, it takes a commitment. Followers of Christ are to be different. You know, followers of Christ are to be the light of the world, Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, we're to, be, we're, we're to shine like stars in the universe in a, corrupt, uh, 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 in a corrupt and degraded generation. We are, we are to be different. It's a requirement for followers of Christ to be completely honest, to be continually honest, to be radically honest. We're to be radically honest for two reasons that we will explore this morning. And those two reasons are these. The first reason is this. Be radically honest. Radically honest is to be free, to be free from self-deception. Free from self-deception. 
deception. Free from deceiving yourself. Look at verse 1 and 2. It says that the Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, they sold this property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. That he, but, but he brought the rest to the apostles' feet as if he was giving everything that he had. See, Ananias were working together. Ananias and Sapphira were working together. They sold their property together. And they received the profit together. And when he schemed, when Ananias schemed to pretend, to pretend that he was laying it all at the disciples' feet, Sapphira had full knowledge of that lie. She had full knowledge. It was keeping back part of the money. He wasn't giving everything he said he was giving. She didn't try to stop him from what they both knew was wrong. And the, they were both equally responsible. It, 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 they were equally responsible for, for, for their deceit. For their, for their deceit. Now, in the meantime, the church, the church was having, it was an exciting time for the church. It was an enthusiastic time for the church. The, the events in chapter 4 almost mirror uh, very, very similar to what's happening in Acts chapter 2. It's all about the unity of believers. What's going on within the church. There's an excitement. There's an enthusiasm. The Spirit of God is working. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 tells us just that. Let's take a look. 432. This is right before the scripture we just read. It says, All the believers were of one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. There was a spirit of generosity. And one person in particular, one person in particular that was well known for his generosity, and his name is Barnabas. And it says in, it says in verse 37 about Barnabas, he sold a field that, that uh, he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. It apparently it was a large field because the, this the, uh, talk was circulating about his generosity. Uh, you, 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 you were going to talk about Barnabas in weeks to come. He was a very uh, important man in the early church. He was the first co-missionary with the Apostle Paul. And when Apostle Paul first became a Christian and, and uh, other disciples doubted him, it was Barnabas who came to his side. By the way, the name Barnabas means son of encouragement. We'll hear more about him in weeks to come. But Barnabas was well known in the church. And he was well known for his generosity. And he was looked up to by the church. Now, Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to be looked up to too. So, so what did they do? You see, in contrast to Barnabas, he gave everything he had out of a heart of love. In contrast to Barnabas, instead of giving out a heart of love, Ananias and Sapphira gave out a heart of, out of, a heart of deceit. This was the first uh, uh, sin recorded in the Christian church. Uh, the first de defection in the Christian church. Um, in seeking to deceive the church, Ananias and Sapphira were deceiving themselves. They were deceiving themselves. They wanted, uh, they, 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 they weren't bringing... Honesty. They weren't being honest to the church, and they weren't being honest to God. They were uh, following Christ, following Jesus Christ requires a radical honesty, 
a radical honesty be, to be free from self-deception. Self what kind of self-deception? Self-deception that you can live a lie. Verse 3. Verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept your, uh, for yourself some of the money that you received from the land? Uh, interesting. I'm sure this was a shock to Ananias. <laughs> how did Peter know this? I mean, they didn't tell anybody. They thought this was a well-hidden secret. But they weren't the only ones that had full knowledge of the plan. You see, they were self-deceived in thinking that God wouldn't know. Psalm chapter 44, verse 21. The Lord knows the secrets of the heart. You can't hide your sin from God. You know, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, after they sinned in the garden, you know, God called to them uh, from the garden. What did they do? They tried to, tried to hide. They tried to hide. You see, be, being a Christian, being a Christian means you stop trying to hide from God, but you're radically honest with Him. If you sin, you go to Him and you, you confess it in honesty. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if, you, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Radical honesty. Radical honesty. Being free from self-deceit. You see, when, when you're self-deceived, uh, you, you fall in temptation of thinking that you can have the fullness of life without God in it. When you're self-deceived, you, you chase after worldly lust to try to make you happy and fulfilled. When you're self-deceived, when you're self-deceived, you might lie to get ahead or lie to, to get a high position. That's what James Hogue did. That's the, the, the student we just talked about. He lied to get into Princeton. And uh, that's, and you might have heard in, your, in the news lately, that's one of our recently voted in United States congressmen I won't tell you the name, but you probably know who I'm talking about. He's under investigation right now for all the lies that he did. He lied to get into Congress. And uh, the late-night comedy shows are having a field day with this one. You know, all the, uh, the debunked lies that he made up. He lied about where he went to college. He lied about uh, positions uh, that he had, employment. He even lied that his mother died during the 9-11 terrorist attacks. My goodness gracious. <laughs> but now, but now his tall tales, his tall tales are exposed. Numbers chapter 32, verse 23. Your sins will find you out. Your sins will find you out. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira wanted to be looked up to by the church. They, they lied about what they did to create a false impression. To, give, to, give, to gain notoriety, to gain acclaim. Uh, they, they lied about the, what they did. Now, Peter asked Ananias, verse 4, he said, what made you think of doing this? What made you think about this? And Ananias, verse 3, kind of gives us a little clue, a little bit of more understanding. He says this, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You see, 
Ananias was a Christian, as I said, but he fell to temptation. He fell to temptation. Satan is called the father of lies. He tempted them to lie, appealing to their sinful nature. Do you know what? We all have a sinful nature. It's an old nature, and it's filled with deceit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, it says, Put off your old self, which is corrupt, through deceitful desires. You see, there's a deceitful nature that we have, we still have, have to struggle with, put it to death every day. But it's a deceitful nature that lies to us, and it causes us to lie to others. Not only to lie to others, but to lie to God. To lie to God. And that's what Ananias did. That's what Sapphira did. They were lying to God. Following Jesus Christ requires a radical honesty to be free from self-deception. Not only self-deception to live a lie, but self-deception that you'll not be judged. Verse 5. Verse 5. First part of verse 5 says this. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. He fell down and died. When he heard this, when he found out that, 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 that he knew his guilt and God's judgment came upon him quickly. He, he wanted his judgment, God's judgment came upon him quickly. Amen. Verse 4. Let's take a look at verse 4. It says this. Didn't it belong to you? Here's the point. Ananias was not judged, I want to be clear. He wasn't judged because he didn't give his all to the apostles. He could have not, he could have just given a part, kept the rest for himself, be honest about it, things would have been fine. What did Peter say in verse 4? He said, didn't it belong to you before you sold it? And after you sold it, wasn't the money at your disposal? Peter said, you could have done with the money whatever you want. All you had to do was be honest. He was judged because of his lying and his hypocrisy. Lying and hypocrisy. Really, those are two sides of the same coin. Lying and hypocrisy are two sides of the same coin. If you're a religious, if you're a, if you're a religious hypocrite, then you're lying about who you are. You're, 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 you're not telling the truth about your spirituality. You know, it's not the thing we hear people say sometimes, I don't want to go to church because the church got so many hypocrites. Well, you know what? There's somebody else that hates hypocrites in the church. That's God. That's God. And this judgment upon Ananias and Sapphira was a judgment of God disciplining the church. They're God disciplining the church. They're dishonesty. Their hypocrisy. It could have been destructive to the church. It could have destroyed the testimony of Jesus Christ. Uh, within, especially within this early stage of the church, this beginning development of the church. Uh, it, would have just, it would have devastated the unity of the church. It would have devastated the fellowship of the church. It would have devastated the witness of the church. The death of Ananias and Sapphira was a warning. God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. The same spirit that brings God's blessings 
is the spirit that can bring God's judgment. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our judgment, the judgment of our sin. The Bible says it this way. The Bible says that he was the, you know, he was a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Listen to this, 1 Peter 2.22. He knew no sin, neither was there any deceit found in his mouth. In other words, he never lied. He never lied. Jesus Christ never lied. His life was an open book. And when you open the book, you see his life. Right? Amen? Amen. You see his life. And the book says this, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. Jesus paid for our wages, what we deserve. But the rest of that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus rose from the dead, and now he offers eternal life if we believe in him, if we're honest with him, and if we follow him, and if we follow him. Following Christ requires a radical honesty. Why? To free us from self-deception, and to free us from the self-deception that you can live a lie, and the self-deception that you won't be judged. Following Christ requires a radical honesty, not only to be free from self-deception, but number two, second reason we're exploring about radical honesty, the reasons for it, is to grow in the right direction. Verse 12, verse 12, it says this. It says, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet in the Solomon's Colonnade. You know, God, uh, the apostles were still witnessing in Jesus' name. You remember how last time we, we looked at it, Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin told them, no, do no, no longer, you're no longer, I'm commanded, you're no longer to preach in this name. They were still witnessing in Jesus' name. They were still performing miracles in Jesus' name in the temple area. Within the area they were told not to. Although the death of Ananias and Sapphira shocked the church, the church continued to grow. Their deaths were God's discipline in the church. They were removed from the company of believers as an act of divine discipline. And the impact, the impact opened the eyes of everyone who knew about it, about the seriousness of sin. What does the Bible say? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. <laughs> the holiness of God. It put so much fear in the people that were looking on to the church. They didn't want to join. Let's take a look. Verse 13. Verse 13 says this. No one else, no one else dared to join them after that. Even, even though they were highly regarded by the people. The people were afraid. Even in the church, it brought fear into the church. See, the church is not some kind of country club that you join and live however you like. The church has a direction to take. 
It has a right direction to take. It has a right direction to grow. What is that direction? It's the right direction of truth and sincerity. Truth and sincerity. God wants his people to live in truth and sincerity. Even Ananias, even Ananias and Sapphira, even the, their death, even their death stopped the, 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 the uh, what do you call it? The, the death stopped the, 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 the forward uh, revival, the revival. It stopped the revival. But still, people were getting saved. Verse 14, still people were getting saved. Let's take a look. Nevertheless, more and more men believed in the Lord and were added to their number. These were people who joined the church, who were deadly serious about their commitment to Jesus Christ. There was nothing fake about them. They knew the seriousness of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Sincerity is a necessity for your relationship with Christ to be a reality. I'm going to say that again. Sincerity is a necessity for your relationship with Christ to be a reality. But sincerity, sincerity is not enough. Sincerity is not enough. Sincerity must be guided by the truth. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth, John 16, 13. When He, the Spirit of Truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will guide you to grow in the right direction. To grow in the right direction, you must be guided by the truth. Jesus said it is guided by the Spirit of Truth, guided by the Word of Truth. John 17, 17, Jesus praying to the Father, Your Word is truth. You say they must always go together. The spirit of truth and the word of truth must always go together. To grow, to grow in the right direction. Somebody once said it this way. All word and no spirit, we dry up. All spirit and no word, we blow up. But, but word and spirit with the word and with the spirit, we grow up. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. They always go together. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, and the Word of truth always go together. Now, the Apostle Paul warned the believers. He warned the believers, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he warned the believers against turning away from truth and sincerity. He warned the church at Corinth about false teachers who disguise themselves as, as, as apostles of Christ, like Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And he said this, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Apostle Paul, speaking about this warning, speaking about sincerity, speaking about truth, he says this, I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the Spirit's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere, and pure devotion to Jesus Christ. Sincerity. Sincerity. He, he's letting them know the dangers of getting off course. The dangers of being misdirected. The dangers of being deceived from following Christ with a pure sincerity. 
a sincerity and a devotion that grows, that, that causes us to grow in the right direction. What, what is the right direction we're to grow? It's a right direction of truth and sincerity, and it is also the right direction of strength and purity. Verse 15. Verse 15 says it like this. As a result, the people brought the sick into the streets. They laid them on the beds and the mats, so at least Peter's shadow might fall on them. He says, as a result, it says. As a result of what? As a result of the apostles' work. As a result of God's power at work, people started bringing the sick. They carried them on mats. They believed even if they could get close enough to Peter, that his shadow would fall on the people that they, that they, that they brought, that they'd be healed. And crowds started to come from all around the towns around Jerusalem. They brought their loved ones. God's power was continuing to flow. And, and, and God's power, you see, the spirit was not quenched. There was no division in the camp. Through the unity, there was unity, and there was strength, and there was healing, and there was evidence of God's power and of God's love. See, the healing was an evidence of God's love. And evidence, it was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, outpouring of healing. It, it was, this outpouring of healing was an answer to prayer, and the people knew it. You see, right before this, right before this, going back now to Acts chapter 4, after Peter and John were, let, were released from jail, remember the Sanhedrin had them in jail, and they warned, them not to, they warned them not to preach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John, what did they do? After they told them not to do it, what did they do? They went back. They went back to their people, and they reported everything that happened. And then all the people together begin to pray. They begin to pray. And I want to pick it up now in the middle of that prayer, which they prayed. And this it has, it, it has to do with what's happening right now with the disciples. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And we're going to pick it up at, uh, let's see, we're going to pick this up. Uh, we're going to pick this up at uh, verse 29. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. It says this. It says, now, Lord, they're in the middle of their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Talking about the Sanhedrin. Consider their threats and enable, uh, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of our holy servant Jesus. Isn't that what's happening? After this, listen to this. After this, they prayed. After they prayed, the place they were meeting, it started to shake. It was shaking shaking and they were all filled with the holy spirit and spoke the word of god boldly that's what was happening here the holy spirit was moving god was moving and this was an outpouring of the spirit they were growing in the right direction with 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 strength and with unity with strength and with unity god answered their prayers he was giving them the strength they prayed for and he was giving them the boldness they 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 requested and the place they made they met was starting shaking just like we should be shaken to remove any proud obstacles against the knowledge of god we should come to him in prayer in fear and in trembling cry out to god in prayer just like david 
just like David. In total, radical honesty, David came to God. Psalm chapter 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. A plea from an honest heart. Radically honest heart. Following Jesus Christ requires a radical honesty. For, two, for the reasons we've explored. First, to set us free from self-deception. Ananias and Sapphira were deceived to think God didn't know their sin. Their lust for the limelight and for notoriety is what caused them to fall. They, they, they not only lied to the church, they lied to God. And the sin, the sin, their sin brought swift judgment. God's judgment that fall, fall, fell upon them. Following Christ requires a radical honesty, not only to be free from self-deception, but to grow in the right direction. How is that? It's to grow in truth and sincerity. Sincerity, that's a sincerity to be, that's guided by the truth. It's sincerity that's guided by the Spirit. Growing in the right direction. You know, when they prayed, uh, they prayed, heaven was opened. And the manifestation of God's strength and power fell upon them. His healing power, His loving power, His purifying power. National Geographic told the story of the lie of this young man at Princeton University to show how we all lie and why we lie. Yes, deceit is woven in the fabric of our sinful selves, but Coming to Jesus Christ is a call to put off the old and to put on the new. We have a new fabric. Amen? A new fabric. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. It's a call to be radically honest with God. A call to know the God who knows all things and to grow in the direction that His honesty brings. Will you do it? Will you follow that call? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we've seen this morning, Lord, your holiness. That yes, you are a God of love and you are also a God of holiness. And Lord, that's why you sent Jesus to pay the price for our sin. Because you are holy and our sin separates us from your holiness. Thank you, Jesus that you loved us that much, that you would sacrifice your love, your life on the cross and rise again. And now we can be right with God through you. Help us, Lord, to live with radical honesty. Radical honesty as you've, as you've called us to live. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen, everyone. Hardcore, wasn't it, Brian? <laughs> Amen. God's word. God's word. God's word. Amen this morning. So if you, you know, if you, if God is speaking to you about you, what you heard this morning, if you, as you've heard his word, 
You know, are you, are you sensing his call in your life? Are you, is God pulling on your heart? What kind of decisions is God calling you to make? You know, if he's calling you within our 